night. Toby and I go on more tangents than the Spanish explorers. We try desperately not to talk about the Huds game. We talk about the outbreak of Mesut Ozil flu and question what the Arsenal fan base actually want. All this and more tonight on this and Ask Brothers Rantcast. Welcome to this and Ask Brothers Rantcast. A day late. Really sorry. I went out, got shit faced at a Bucks party. Couldn't get my brain back in my head. Toby was actually ready to do it. He was chomping at the bit because this was such an exciting game, Toby, with so much to talk about. Let's break it down. Mm-hmm. Cough. Cough, cough. <laughs> cough, cough. I don't think so. <laughs> a-, a performance, Toby, that's left a lot of the fan base really angry and a lot of the fan base really like, meh, what about it? You know what did a what did you make as a as a general kind of overview of it? Were you in the suicide camp of people wanting to kill themselves? <laughs> people saying they actually turned the game off or went to the pub or had a conversation with their wife at about sixty five minutes. God forbid. I know. Or were you one of these people who saw it as kind of what it was and a, a three points in a in a season when now these shitty three points are going to become incredibly important to Arsenal. Oh, well, look, the latter for sure. So, go back to your original question. Yes, there was a little bit of meh in there, no doubt. Um, But I thought it was a really, you know, functional performance. Um, And really, one of our biggest Achilles heels for a really long time is winning ugly away from home. And I know that's a classic cliche, but we still did it. Um, It should have been 2-0 at the very least. Oh, Um, I've got a few more than that. Oh, well, no, we'll go into that later. I mean, it could have been three or four or five if we hadn't been so profligate. Well, I did. I had this point written down for early on to say that there, in my opinion, there were at least three chances left on the table. And had the score have been 4-1, not three, not two, one, and the exact same performance got put in. Would this whole conversation be, you know, a, a completely different story? Well, that's what I think. So should should we just end the podcast now because we pretty much got to the to the end with that? Comment. Yeah, done. Do you want to turn it off? We'll drink some beers, talk some shit. Okay. All right. See you, mate. <laughs> All right, buddy. But no, we do oh. have to crack on. We have like at least fourteen people who rely on us for weekly dick jokes and some Arsenal... uh, Okay, so we haven't wrapped the whole thing up in a a two-minute nutshell. Okay, so basically the game plan kind of worked in a counter-attacky way. If we hadn't have been so profligate, we could have been three or four nil up and not actually had the discussion about how timid and shit we were and invited on pressure and almost got fucking done by, like, the worst team in the world. See, I wonder that, you know, about whether or not, you know, quotation marks, we almost got done. Um, Because when you actually look at it, Leno makes maybe, I think he makes maybe one good save, punch and misses one really good opportunity to to curl one in. That little um, young Moroccan fucker down the right, he had a good game, though, didn't he? Who was the young Moroccan? The one who was absolutely putting his dick in Monreal's ass for the entire game. Oh, yeah. Sorry, he wasn't Moroccan. He was from Monaco. Oh, well, I I get where you're coming from. North African, French-speaking. You know, you're not a complete 
Um, I wrote down his name, but I wrote it down phonetically because I couldn't remember what his name was. So I think it was Dear Carby. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, other than other than him, really, and uh, and and Monreal, kind of getting shown up for the the thirty something year old he is. There were people at the game apparently mm. singing "Are You Lichtsteiner in Disguise." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, a couple of people were saying that you know that that this could be an example of a guy that basically his legs have run out and it's not the desire it's not the brain it could be the body you know and is this is this all we're going to get you know is this an indication of you know of of where we need to move forward with our with our contracts basically so you could almost add him to the mix and i've been one of those people as much as um as much as you know we we love and respect mineral like there is a time when we have to say, you know, he wasn't the quickest, most end-to-end player in the world, even in his prime when we had him. So how much longer can he keep it up for? Well, it's interesting, you know, because that's the kind of concept of pulling him in to one of the, the three at the back. But mm. I don't know what formation Arsenal were actually defending in because it was like a lopsided four at times, because Monreal was just pulling into his traditional left-back channel and getting fucking roasted in mm. this in this back three. And Kalasnak was doing Kalasnak, you know, and being <laughs> miles, being miles up the fucking pitch. Um, did put in a couple mm. of good challenges, but we'll, we'll sort of crack into him him next. Look, the, mm. um, the line-up... Sometimes it feels, you know, as a, as a podcaster, as an Arsenal podcaster that we really are just a broken record at the moment, you know, and we were talking before the game about whether or not we should we should speak about the whole Embry out thing, and we feel like we covered it really heavily last week when we said, you know, regardless of what you think, regardless of what you think of his tactics, there's no way of knowing if any of these tactics are anything that he actually wants to do because he's so decimated by injury. And then to go and throw more shit mm. in his eye you go and riddle him with a Mesut Ozil flu that I have no doubt that Ozil spread. He was the first one to get it. And he, <laughs> it's like that movie in the 90s, like, was it Contaminant or Containment where the monkey bit someone and then everyone gets sick? It's outbreak, you fuckhead. That's it. Fucking outbreak. <laughs> it's and I reckon the opposite Mesut- of Containment. <laughs> Mesut Ozil's the... <laughs> Mesut Ozil's the monkey. He's the infected monkey. He's the infected monkey that fucked everyone up. So, in a really roundabout way, what I was trying to say there was, look, the lineup was decimated now, not only by injury, but by illness. Um, and even then, you know, we still managed to put out a pretty strong team, like, like not for cohesion, like, do I think it's a really strong team? But when you actually take name for name on that spreadsheet, Leno, Koscielny, Mustafi, Monreal, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, Kalasnak, Torreira Genduzzi, Mkhitaryan, Lacazette, Awobi. Hey, I was fine with it. The only thing I was concerned about was the bench. There was there oh, was a lack of options. The bench there. was fucking terrible. The bench looked like an ex Arsenal, like an early Arsene Wenger League Cup starting team. Yeah. Suarez and Niketia were the only really attacking options, I thought. But I wasn't too unhappy with the back three. I think I think moving forward 
a three away from home and a more attacking four at the back at home. Yeah, I, I just I don't think know that's... how you're going to get away with playing a four with uh, Maitland Niles. I, I'm, and we'll crack we'll crack into him as the mm. as the podcast goes on. But I really mm. think as as soon as Bellerin went out, it was a back three or bust for Arsenal with what we had. Um, Which is a shame because we'd stumbled on to something. But well, we've done it twice now, Toby. So we stumbled onto something in the Tottenham game. Holding gets injured. We stumble onto something in the Chelsea game. Bellerin gets injured. Yeah. So yeah. both times we've we've kind of Emery in one way or the other has come about to having to to pull this team apart. Uh, Huddersfield, Toby, fucking team looks shit. Yeah, I I didn't I didn't give him a lot a lot of a look to be honest. You know, it's not a team I've watched. A hell of a lot, um, you know. The the thing I always fear though is a change in manager, and I feel like we we were done against Southampton away the other day with their new manager. I mean, regardless of what happens, the team gets a lift. Um, and something that I commented on social media in terms of like a, a positive interpretation of the game is that. We still went away from home. You know, we were against a, a desperate relegation fodder team who were well-organised, um, tight, and at home. So, you know, regardless of, of whether I... the formation was um, was conservative or not, it, it we were still up against it regardless of whether this team is in, you know, 19th or 20th place. So, yeah. And to coin a phrase of a, a lot of the Arsenal fans, you know... <laughs> And again, broken record, but is this not a game that maybe we would have lost in the past or drawn in the past? Oh, well, we might as well rattle through the, the big moments in the game, Toby, because there weren't actually that many. There, there were a lot of, um, like we said at the top of the show, there were a lot of could have been moments, um, uh, you know, balls that either just didn't make it or I think Mkhitaryan fell over once in the process of making these balls, but overall, really, you, you, my impressions of the first 15, 20 minutes of the game were that we were okay. Yeah, me, you know, too. I, me I, too. I, I, I didn't think we were particularly pressy. I picked up on that very early. I was like, oh, this is interesting. It's almost like Emery has said, well, you're not going to do anything with the ball, so feel free to fucking have it. Mm. Um, or just wait for them to make an error. Yeah, or, or it, it just seemed that we were sitting quite deep. Torreira and Genduzzi, Torreira especially, and for all of the game, um, didn't really step up and, and connect for me so much. Not like the way he has been asked to play of late. And, and in a lot of ways, Genduzzi didn't either. Um, and in no, the early... and almost Genduzzi was the deeper of the two. We'll get okay. to that later on, definitely. Um and early on, a couple of really nice touches from Maitland-Niles. And I'm, at this oh. point, I, I put out a tweet going, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, what a player. He looks like he's finally got it together. Was it you that fucked him? Did you send out the bad juju through the fucking Twitter sphere or something? Man, I wasn't the only one. It was, look, <laughs> it was a very up and down game for, for a lot no, of I'm Arsenal players for, for, for one reason or another. Uh, the first goal for Awobi, uh, really more for me, actually, Mikatarian's goal than anyone else's goal. And Mikatarian started really bright. Yeah, like, he was really, really bright. He was 
shit hot, high tempo, lots of touches, plays a really beautiful ball through to Kalasnak, who thumps kind of a big booming cross and a Wobi. It's a lovely um, cross. Small deflection, but a really difficult skill, I think, to even get that on target. It wasn't a cross that you would naturally think is an easy volleying cross. No, I, I, I was I was very supportive of the fact that he did get it on target and that was his primary task um you know it it was it was a beautiful booming cross you know no doubt really really picked him out but it it, it wasn't easy by any stretch so I think his first task was to get it on target and uh, and he did that and I guess maybe your luck comes from that don't you think especially for someone like Awobi I actually think he might be better with something like that. Um, That's what I mean. You know, like where, it's, where it's coming on, in and yeah. he's just focusing on, well, I've just got to get a touch on yep. the ball. I don't have to worry about bringing this down and laying it off or whether I'm getting it to the, the right players or the, the wrong players. Um, yeah, no, Huds early on, man, were, were, were we were in the early parts of the game. We seemed to be kind of tearing them apart. And I was thinking, man, we're, we're going to get at them. A couple of lovely back heels from Maitland-Niles, who was really expressing himself down the sides. Well, I was going to say, like some of it was a bit audacious from Maitland-Niles. And well, that's, and, and that's... That, that audaciousness, Toby, is what ends up bringing him undone yeah. in about it. <laughs> he has two 10-minute spells where it's like the cunt forgets how to play football. Mm. What did you make of... Not necessarily his overall performance. Let's not talk about his overall performance. I'm sure we're going to get there in in three, two, one somehow. Mm. What did you make of it? Was it his intention that he just thought, I'm just going to grab this game by its balls and go past people, and he just fucked up? Or did you think, like a lot of people thought, it's some kind of a a, a Bob Marley carefree attitude? Because even though he comes across to me as like a carefree, relaxed guy, I don't get that feeling that that's how he fucked up so many times in this game. I actually felt it was the opposite. I felt he wanted to impose himself on the game. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I think I'm more with you. I mean, we've described him as that Bob Marley player before in that, you know, maybe he takes it a bit easy. Things were too easy for him in the under-21s or the under-23s where he was a superior player. Kind of um, in that Tuba Akpom uh, connotation, I guess, that you've alluded to previously. Um, yeah, I mean, he probably was trying to affect the game um, and, and make a mark on it. And let's also not forget that um, that the wingbacks in an Emery system are, are probably our greatest attacking outlet. So there's quite a lot of pressure on those guys to drive the play forward and make things happen. I'm prepared to say that it's a reflection of where he is in his development and the way he's been uh, indoctrinated into the into the team over the last couple of years. Um, so I, I thought it was really 50-50 for me. Some of it was just absolutely brilliant and silky and a player that, that really has the potential to become something class um, and a kid that just hasn't had enough game time or development in his his natural position. Do do you think that's a fair um, summary? Yeah, look, I I have the feeling that what you've got here is you've got a guy who used to put his fucking dick inside people in the under-21s. Okay, well, that's what I said, just a little bit more eloquently. (laughs) 
You do the eloquence, Toby. <laughs> I'll do the dick jokes. Oh, I'm quite comfortable doing dick jokes. I honestly think he looks at people and he still thinks, I'm just going to go past you. I'm just more athletic than you. And he might have looked at this game. He might have looked at a Huds defender on the other side of him, whoever it might have been, and just thought, well, I'm better than you. And today, you know, on five, six, eight occasions, he wasn't. And the ball got taken. Oh, before we get to the end of the half, we should really talk about Awobi absolutely cunting one while he was offside. Yeah, well, I mean, we we spoke about this earlier. I kind of feel like the reason he belted it through the back of the net with flames coming through the bloody um, the nylon fibers, we came to the point that we thought he was he knew he was offside. Hence the ridiculously calm and cunted finish. I don't think Iwobi hits that goal if he thinks that he's onside. I don't know what. I, I I would say Awobi onside probably tries to get that close to the goal or take more touches or, or get his head up, but thunderous fucking shot. Another little chance at the end of the game, Mikatarian, Lacker interchanging, Mickey just can't find the ball. Another one of those ones where basically Lacker was through and clear. And he actually had throughout this game, Toby, Lacazette on another day could have had a hattie of tap-ins. Oh, definitely. There there was definitely a lack of quality behind him with the with the final ball. I don't and, even know if and, these and ones his... are non-qualities on the final ball so much. These are just these are just very fine margins where the ball either for whatever reason doesn't come or the defender gets a toe in. Very, very fine margins. But you know, on another day I think Lacker I think Lacker could Lacker could have been going home with the game ball, is what I'm saying. For for and, three and and his work rate and his movement probably would have warranted that as well. Oh, not just that, his willingness to fucking smash cunts. I'm in love with him at the moment for his willingness to smash cunts. I don't remember him being this robust when he came well, in he last wasn't. year. He, he's adapted. I I think he's our most improved player from last season. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I think, I, I mean, I said this last year, you know, I think that Lacazette is going to be able to take the the torch from Obama Yang in the next year or so. Me you too. Know, so as far as, I don't think people see Lacazette as a 30 goal a year striker. I would put money on in the next three seasons, Lacazette's going to smash 30 goals in the Premier League because I think he's a smart footballer and I think smart mm. footballers improve and they learn mm. and I think he's learning the Premier League. Well, so do I. I mean, a completely different um, era, but, you know, I see a bit of Alan Shearer about him in a way, you know, so the way he gets it, not with his heading ability, obviously, but, you know, that, that cuntishness, the the wiliness and just the way he connects with the ball, um, you know, there's there's a player in there that we, I reckon we could get three, four, even five big seasons out of this guy. And the, the way he's stepped up, he has the potential to be one of the big players in the Premier League. I I, I really feel that. And I wouldn't I wouldn't have said that his first six months or or even a year. Are you putting your thumb in and out of your beer hole? No. You are? I can fucking hear it. <laughs> You're a dick. Um, second half, Toby, things kind of go from bad to worse for a period of time until about 60-something minutes when all of a sudden Awobi sparks into life. 
interchanging, underlapping, overlapping with Kalasanak, um, balls being smashed across the face by Kalasanak, all being driven by Awobi. But then Awobi gets again into a number of situations and makes some pretty poor decisions, and the crowd start to get up and get onto his back. I mean, to the point, obviously, we weren't there, but there were some tweets I saw where people were saying he actually got booed off the field by sections of what I assume are our traveling supporters. And I just thought that that was insanity. I didn't think that Awobi had a fucking amazing game. Like, yes, he got his goal. Um, yes, he he had probably two other opportunities. He had one that he hit near post. That wasn't a great shot, and he was put through late as well, and he kind of a, a really typical Awobi shot where he's got this this side foot shot which he just seems to scuff all the fucking time. Is, is that the the Mikatarian one when he? Yeah, broke that's, from it's, the, when from, Awobi's, it's when Awobi's it's when Awobi's trying to onre it. He's trying to hit that side foot. Well, down he didn't even onre it. He, he he put it to the right hand side of the keeper rather than the left. He just doesn't have that finish in him. I swear I've seen him attempt that finish so many times, and it's it's not in his locker. Yeah, it, it, it's quite infuriating. And, and whilst I understand the frustration from, from the Arsenal supporters, um, it's not okay to, to abuse one of your own, um, and in particular away from home. Like... It's it's just not cool. This isn't the work of someone who you should be vilifying. You know, I've mm. been the first person to, or you know, I I have been one of his detractors. He's taken me on a really big roller coaster ride this year, Awobi. To I think he's taken all of us on a roller coaster, to be honest. And do you know what? He's fucking twenty two. This is my point, and this was always my point. It's the the pressure that we put him under, not what he should be delivering for us. You know, th- this, is, this is a guy who is an academy product. He's Arsenal through and through. The only reason that we vilify him is because we need someone better than him that's better than his development right now. And, and that's the problem. I feel like because we don't have any real world-class players knocking around like we used to, where, where we always had people who were like the best in the world. Omri was the best. Burkamp was the best. Pires was, Pires was one of the best. Van Persie was one of the best. And I wonder if because he's not the best, he's vilified for not being the best instead of adorned for being really good and a great prospect and a youth mm-hmm. product. And there's like a mental gap right now for... Arsenal fans, because basically for the last 10 years, we've been shipping talent. Ever Mm. since the Invincibles, I feel like each team we've had has shipped talent and shipped more talent and shipped more talent. I wonder if it's been so long now since we've had people who we're like, they would get in your team over your best player. You know, like when people put together Mm. these mixed teams... Mm. you know, before a game. And it's like right now they pick like 10 Liverpool players. And uh, this player. is really interesting though. This is really interesting. Our, our thought process of this. So have we become so much worse or have the, have our rivals become so much better? And with the injection of money um, and let's say not 
clean money, you know, like financial doping and all that stuff. Our greatest players weren't always 100%. They weren't always amazing. But the the world we live in now, we're so hypercritical of every single moment and we we share and we analyze and we talk about it. I mean, we, we're part of that with what we do now. So were we are we so much worse now? Well, or, yes. Or has our perception no, changed? No, well, yes. We, we are worse. We don't have the quality that we once had. That's a fact. Leno is maybe the fifth or sixth best keeper in the premiership. Right, you you would probably take four to five keepers ahead of Leno. Is Koscielny one of the top defenders now? Probably not, despite him being really good in this game. Mustafi, yeah. he basically doesn't know how to play football, even though I actually didn't think he was too bad in this game. Mind you, just a little caveat for all you Mustafi haters, and I'm a Mustafi <laughs> hater as well. But, you know, Monreal. Now, you know, is he good enough? No. Maitland-Niles is a fucking prospect. Kalasanak is a one-way monster. Torreira and Genduzi are kids, unproven. Yeah. Yeah. Mikatarian is another player probably on the the downward staircase or of never his career. Suited, or never suited to the premiership. Um, Awobi is a prospect and a kid. You know, we just don't Wildly see him as a kid because he's racked yeah. up so many games. Yeah. And then you've got Lacazette, who is a league uh player who has uh. come into the Premiership and is yet to hit 20 goals in a season. So if, if you're just looking on those prospects alone... Europa League. It's a Europa League team. It's a fifth or sixth level team. And what mm. I feel like is that Arsenal fans are projecting what they want instead of having got, a look what, at what they have. Or what we've have. become accustomed to. Yeah, well, but I mean, accustomed to fucking what? Well, nothing We've never been accustomed to anything. <laughs> All we had was this guy... La Profess, who mm. fucking kept us in and around the fourth spot mark for so long that it led us to believe that we somehow deserved to be there. And and kept plucking gems out of his butthole. Absolutely. Yeah. If you if you put up all of the teams or most of the teams of the last yeah. when's the last time we had a real genuine team? Two thousand six, two thousand and eight? Yeah. Even those teams we were doing it with players like fucking Eduardo and Bentner and Walcott and Diaby. Oh, Ed- Eduardo could have been good. No, I know, but I'm just saying these aren't guys th- these aren't Agueros, De Bruyne's. You know, these aren't guys of this this high, high standard. Mm. In my really roundabout ranty way, I think what I'm saying is is that the Arsenal uh, fan base is projecting its it's loss of self onto the players that we have. The Arsenal fan base has a loss of self. It doesn't understand what it is anymore. It thinks it's still this thing that's really, really big and really, really special. And I tell you what, we've got a tier two manager. We've got a tier two team. What Emery is achieving at the moment with our injury crisis um, is is probably, you know... I, I still think he's achieving slightly beyond the sum of his parts. That that That's my perspective. Own goal, Toby. Kalasanak to kind of end the game and to, to snatch the, the, the clean sheet from Arsenal once again. Anything really to talk about there or just one of those things? It's a mess in the box. And no, it no, it was fucking horrible in every way. Um, if, if we, from, from a fan's perspective... 
this game could have been, yeah, we gave away a few opportunities, but we defended our, our, our goal well. Um, if, if you know, if, even if we invite a little bit of pressure on and we sat deep, it really could have been a clean sheet away from home, a very positive outcome and should have been. Um, add into that or onto that rather, our profligacy in front of goal, uh, which could have easily been three or four nil, and we could have been talking about a completely different story. However, we allowed the team that hasn't fucking scored in a gazillion years and strikers that haven't scored in fucking 9,000 minutes. And we managed to fucking shoot ourselves in the foot at the end of the game. That, for me, was one of the things that, that really pissed me off about this game. Any key contributors, Toby, to that um, goal? Instead of not, just talking not about really. us as a, as a whole, as a, <sighs> as a collective... But- you it know. was a calamity of fuck-ups, and I really don't understand how Kolasinac uh, put it in the back of the net. I really don't. There wasn't every, anyone obvious that I saw that directly contributed to us conceding, um, but Kolasinac putting it in the back of the net, I, I don't even see how it happened. It was just, it was just crazy. What, what did you feel? To be honest, by the end of that game, I'd switched off to such a degree. It's probably the most I've switched off mentally watching a game in a long time. I think it's gotten to a point for some Arsenal fans where the narrative is almost pre-written with Arsenal. It doesn't feel like anything's going to change. And especially when you're looking at a bench like that, it's not even like you can look to something exciting happening or they're going to throw on this youth player. And I'm going to get to have a look at him at least, and I'm 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 going to watch that until the, you know, until the end of the game, and that's what's going to excite me because, you know, it's it's just so fucking mundane, and it was so, a so mundane are you game. Saying the fact that we were two nil up, that people thought it was done and dusted, and that they I, we, I, that I, we I, would win, and that we would just sit back and and hold out. Or we've been sitting back since before we fucking were in a position to win. We've been or, sitting or, or do you think it's an apathy the game. thing? No, I, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, I just I'm think. Just saying. I think there is an apathy now amongst the fan base. I think that they we we all kind of collectively of the opinion now that we are going to grind out the rest of the season without our best players because so many of them are injured. We didn't get anything done in January to excite us to reinvigorate us. And now we've kind of got this rest of the season to look at, which is just going to be a continuation of everything that's happened in the season. And I think that for a lot of Arsenal fans, maybe for the more, I don't want to say more educated Arsenal fans, but the the less like venomous, horrible Arsenal fans who just want to embrace the venom, for those of us who actually understand what's going on in the club or or take the time to to try and understand enough what's going in the club. We know what we're facing until the end of the season. So can I put you can I put a question to you then? Is the grind and performances like this, particularly away from home, exactly what we fucking need and we should all just shut the fuck up and stop hoping for this Norwich goal perfection of football? Yeah, 100%. I've got a I've got a thing written down here where I said I honestly don't care about the style of play for the rest of the year because I don't think that Emery can affect it the way that he wants to affect it. It almost I would rather worked. Win. 
Toby, I would rather win badly and get the points. Exactly. But am I going to enjoy watching Arsenal Probably play not. like that for the Probably entire year? Not. No. And that's Probably the reason not. why I mentally switched off Probably for the last twenty minutes of the game. I really hate to draw this this connection because he's my most hated manager in the world. But if Emery <laughs> has to Mourinho the shit out of it to get us into the top four, I will be behind him one hundred percent of the way. And I and I feel like this was an example. This this setup, this really pragmatic approach to playing away from home against a relegation team with a new manager who are quite clearly going to come out and try and outwork us with the squad that he had with the injuries and then with a bit of sickness to boot, which affected what three, four, five players, you know, this isn't a bad result. And then you add into it. And and this is my main point of this whole pod Add another two goals to it that we should have taken in that in that 55 to 75 minute block where we could have cruised to the end, we could have had a fucking 4-0 victory on our hands. What a ramble of a fucking podcast, Toby. I had a like a that- run sheet and I had a run sheet and we've gone so far off the run sheet. But you know what? Fuck it. This is the rant cast. This is what we do. It it is a ramble. It is two guys having a conversation about their football club. And do you know what? In a game where there wasn't really that much to talk about, I think it's really interesting that we've been able to kind of take a 10,000-foot view of the, the club and, and have a good old chat about about what the fans are thinking and what the direction, what what how the fans are directing their their angst or their desires or how they're projecting, you know, what they want for the club and whether that's being projected in positivity or whether that's being projected in negativity or however it might sit. I think it's a really important uh, cathodic, cathodic, or is that when your shoulders are rounded? I think cathodic is when you have like hunched shoulders, Mm -hmm. cathartic uh, conversation for us to kind of had. So, you know, I feel better, Toby. Thank you. Well, I, I feel like that's our place in the world. And that was always the way this podcast was built around. It, it's it's discussional and it's cathartic. And, and we're just trying to make sense of this fucking crazy situation. In a very roundabout way, Toby, we have come to our three two ones now one two threes. Oh, we have. So now they seem kind of pointless in the scheme of things, you know, with what we've thrown into the ether. But, Toby, <laughs> who did you have for your man of the match, your positive three, and why? Oh, okay. So we'll, we'll go big from the start. Going big. Um, my man of the match was actually the boss, Koscielny. Mm, um, mine as I, well. I thought, oh, great. Three yeah, points I, for the I, boss. Yeah, no, I, I thought he was absolutely awesome like he did fade a little bit at the end i i have to say that there was a couple of times when some runners came across him and beyond him and i just didn't feel like he quite had the legs to dominate the situation but but overall he was absolutely phenomenal he was he was a shining light he was a leader he was a defensive leader um he was heroic in how he put his body about and that's always been a Koscielny thing, so, you know, whatever in that regard. But he he has really come on. He is more than we would have expected. We thought he was done. From Do you the feel outlet. like this is a swan song 
for Koscielny? Uh, I don't know. I just he hasn't always been the absolute highest echelon, but this is a guy that a few years ago Bayern Munich were talking about signing and and he showed us loyalty. So I think he has it in his game. I think he was he was a better he was a better second lieutenant if that's even a fucking thing, like second in command previously. He always had a, a commander before. Um but seriously, he's he's been a fucking rock this last four, five or six games. Um and we're we're lucky to have him at the moment. We really are. Eighteen months left on his contract, despite the fact that I think I've given him maybe three man of the match performances since he's come back from injury. No, he, his contract's done at the end of the year, Max. Until the thirtieth of the sixth, twenty twenty. Eighteen well, months left on his contract. Okay. Um. You would think then, with that amount of time left, if Arsenal are going to change the style, change the way that they do business, that getting rid of Koscielny in the summer, not getting rid of Koscielny, but moving Koscielny onto a retirement club in the summer is going to be the smartest thing to do. This summer? This summer. No. I'd probably keep him around for the transition. Yeah, and I worry that is Arsenal sentimentality coming through again. I, I worry that that is us being so loyal to someone that we say, no, we're going to pick up your retirement package and we're going to hold on to you and you're going to be someone else who we can't get rid of, someone else who on quite big wages. My thing with Koscielny and where I said, I wonder if this is a swan song, I, I, I kind of meant by that that I wonder if this is him saying goodbye in the best possible way. Maybe not intentionally. Um. But I thought today he was immense. Uh, for me, Koscielny, man of the match, three points. Uh, I think he can offer a, a, a French team or an American team quite a lot uh, in the summer. So I, I I hope that we do the right thing and we, we move him on. Toby, two points. Who did you have and why? Uh, I had Mkhitaryan for my... You're fucking reading my, my homework, cunt. No, I just reckon you and I probably view things reasonably similar. But let's let's add, dear listener, that Max and I haven't discussed this previously. We're both just halfwits who consider the game in a very similar way. Um, we like people to run hard and hard and jump <laughs> in at stuff. Run hard and do football good. Do football good, yeah. Okay, um, Toby, two points for Mkhitaryan for you. Uh, yeah, any particular? Great. Any particular kind of reasons because he didn't have a game where he actually had a lot of direct effectiveness he he affected the game from the outset so my notes immediately were this is what we have been missing and we we were very harsh on Mkhitaryan previously because we were obsessed with with keeping the ball you know not giving away bringing others into the game you know this this is <laughs> This is exactly what we've been missing because we don't really play centrally anymore. So we we contain centrally and we spread the play from central. We don't attack through our central positions anymore. We we don't do the small little deft touches, triangles, bringing others into the game anymore. We 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 overload the spaces on the wings. That that's just what we do. 
Um, so having a player like Mkhitaryan who can, uh, I, I guess not even a true winger, like I guess he plays in that, for want of a better word, like the half space, and then plays with the fullback to overlap, you know, and can play on the inside as well. So he he actually drives at people, he runs, he pushes our play forward, kind of like Awobi does on the other side, but we just haven't had that on the right for, for a while. And absence makes the heart grow fonder, but I really felt like not only um, we missed him, but I actually felt he was really fucking up for this game. And he cashed out at the end. He probably cashed out, I don't know, 65, 70 minutes onwards. Um, but he was really influential in this game. And I was one of his biggest critics, but I'm happy to have him back because in this system and under Emery, I think we need him. Look, I really enjoyed what he did today. Um, but sometimes I think you don't know what you've got till it's gone. Mm. And Mikatarian has been one of those players. I think Welbeck was was one of those players. Yep. Where early on the season, while they were playing, a lot of people, you know, both you and I, uh, gave Mikatarian a lot of negative points early on the season. I gave him yep. quite a lot of positive points early on the season as well. But one of the things that you cannot, one of the things that you can't overlook is that if we're going to be forced into playing a more transitional system where we are playing more defensive midfielders mm. and we are sitting a little bit deeper with defenders who are less sure, less than first choice, having players who can transition with pace, mm. having players who are really good with both feet and tight areas, which I thought Mkhitaryan was brilliant at today. Mm. He kept getting the ball in really tight areas, two or three defenders mm. on him finding a way to wriggle out on another day. He could have had a couple of assists. Um, I just thought he was absolutely banging today. And he was very, very nearly my man of the match. He was close. The- Toby, yeah. one point. Who did you have and why? Uh, Lacquer. Fuck you. Are you fucking serious? I thought that was a really out there decision for me. To Are you pick normal? Lacazette. Motherfucker. All right, well, dude, I either, thought he I, was so. Both... Com- I thought he was so combative today. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think enough credit has been given to him for his finish, which was played slightly behind him with the bend from the Maitland Niles cross. He absolutely spanked that. He it's got his nothing contact... to do with his goal scoring for me at the moment. No, no, no. I, at I, all. I, I, I'm using that as an example. His contact. For his overall contribution, stop bashing your table. This, this, <laughs> this overall, his overall contribution to the team, and his work rate is, it just, it, 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 it is so commendable. It's, it's astounding, you know. And he could have had more goals today. I just love that he puts a foot in. It, it, it he drops deep. He drops off. He tackles. He barges into people. He finishes. He's got a ball in him. He's, I think he is a really, for me, he's a tier two player right on the cusp of, of that in between tier one and tier two, if you get what I mean. Yeah, so I'm, yeah, not, no, I'm, he's, I'm he's not putting there. him in the world of like the top, top strikers in the world, yeah. but yeah. he's right at the very top of that. You know, if we're talking FIFA ratings, like 84, 83, 84 you know, of being right there. And 
He just seems to be such a smart player. He seems to understand what the fans want. You know, it's it's, it's something I watched. I binge watched because I was so fucking hungover. I binge watched Sunderland till I die. And on my recommendation, on your recommendation, yeah, you messaged me and said, "I know how hungover you are. Just binge watch this." So yeah, I, anyway, and I thought at the end of that. Who are our players who who get what it's all about right now? And Lacazette's one of That's those guys a really who good I analogy, think by the gets way. what we're all about right yeah. now. Who yeah. are our guys who are like, I understand what the fans want. I understand yeah. what the club needs. I understand what Emery needs. And Lacazette right now is saying, I get what you need. Whether I'm scoring goals or I'm not scoring goals, I've got jobs to do. I've got primary roles, secondary roles, and tertiary roles. And for yeah. me, Lacazette ticks all of those boxes. Yeah. He may not be a a golden boot, you know, striker right now, but what he's doing contributing else contributing elsewhere, if you gave me a choice between the two players right now for one to start and one to bench, I would not even flicker. Lacquer. It's Lacazette for me. Yeah. No, no, me, me too. Me too. And this is someone with an incredible amount of self-awareness and emotional intelligence. And would you really say that is a key attribute of the modern-day footballer? Fuck no. You know, this is someone who has the potential to be an absolute crowd favourite and and club legend. Like, he is on the cusp for me. I think if you put two world-class wingers either side of Lacazette, or wingers with goals be. in them either side of Lacazette, I think that the whole scope changes. Ooh. Because not only does he drop off and provide for them, but I yeah. think then you get fast guys with trickery, smashing balls across the face. And Lacazette, he mm. can pick the ball up with his back to goal, turn and cunt mm. it. He oh. runs into good spaces. He's got a near post finish. He's got a far post finish. We've seen him curl them into the top corners. If you actually look at the coverage of Lacazette's goals, he's he, got actually, a huge he actually has a much broader repertoire of goals than what Aubameyang has. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm so fucking happy that you saw that that way because I didn't really mm. see anyone waxing lyrical about him and I was really into him for the game. I was like, every no, time and, he smashed and, and someone, he I was, was like, fuck yeah, Lacazette. He worked his ass off and, you know, when El Nenny stole the opportunity, I won't, I won't say stole the goal off him, but stole the opportunity off him, <laughs> he was dirty because he'd worked his fucking hole off and he wanted more for his output. You know, this this guy with his working of the crowd, with his... Um, with his desire to to play beyond that primary role, like you were saying, you know, your secondary in, ter- in your tertiaries, this this guy is an absolute fucking asset to our club at the moment, and it's a real joy to see him to progress, you know, potentially into something great. You know, we we're very lucky to have your banging man at the moment, but he is at the peak of his, of his powers and he could diminish within the next year or two. Whereas Lacazette, we've got someone who who really could, he really could be something special. Look, I think we get one more year out of Aubameyang and he has to be sold. Mm. Right? You get one more year and he's got to go. What we need to hope is that Lacazette in that year can not dethrone him, 
You know, I don't want him to him to usurp. Deflower him? No, I don't want him to deflower him, Toby. I don't want him to usurp you banging man. Mm. But I still I still think and I still stand by it. Just give me the opportunity of putting together my best eleven. I think you banging man could become one of the deadliest strikers of all time, only playing forty minutes a game, thirty five minutes a game. I don't think yeah, you banging yeah. man needs to play ninety minutes a game to be a 35 goal a year striker. And there's a lot of cups. Don't forget yeah, there's I genuinely a lot believe of he could score. I genuinely believe you bang a man could score mm. easily 30 goals we forget from the bench. That. We for forget Arsenal. that. Think of think of the manager for the fucking Manpu at the moment. He was prolific as a as a as a substitute assassin. Negative points, Toby. Negative one. Who did you have and why? Um, I actually had Lucas Torreira yeah. as our negative one. I, I thought we lost the midfield, you know, and, and I realised that we that we wanted to um, contain on the wings a little bit more in this game. You know, that's the way we were set up. Look, but- I didn't have Torreira for negative points. I said that it was a so-so performance from him and I thought that his intensity dropped. So I did... I. I don't know whether or not he's struggling a little bit with the amount of game time and the amount of intensity that he's bringing to every single game, but he he started off like a freight train. He's dropped a little bit. I didn't have him in my negative points, though I had him kind of in the lowest scores when I was when I was doing my ratings, but I, I didn't think he had really like any diabolical moments. I actually went for a negative one with Monreal for me. Because oh, I yeah. just, no, that's a good shout. I, I that's just, I shout. just thought that Monreal looked leggy. He kind of, you know, how you know he was getting ass fucked by that um, young kid from Monaco. It's on about the twelfth minute when Monreal absolutely goes through the back of him, <laughs> just smashes yeah. him to say like, yeah. "Fuck you, cunt! I'm here." <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's who I had for my negative one. Mm. Toby, negative two. Who did you have and why? I had a Wobi as a negative two. And I don't mean to to play along with a certain negative narratives rather or or buy in to this shit that is constantly happening, but his profligacy, regardless of how well he drove the play forward and how much responsibility is put on his poor shoulders as a as a as a young man the profligacy in the final third with both the final ball and the final shot on goal is actually taking away from Emery's game plan. So we could have been 3-0 up and the game would have been dead or 4-0 up and the game would have been dead. So I'm not shitting on him at all. I think he's a vital component of our squad. But at the moment, the way we're playing with this counter-attack style, uh, particularly away from home, we really need to be taking those opportunities better. So we're inviting pressure on ourselves by not taking those opportunities um, in crucial parts of the game. So that's, that's my reason for negative two for Wobes. So I didn't have Wobes for any negative numbers. I mean, in my notes for him, I just wrote down, how do you solve a problem like a Wobe? <laughs> uh, so much good. 
some really poor decision making at times. He makes poor decisions at crucial times when the ball could transition back to us. But I felt today that his work rate is what absolved him from negative numbers. For sure. For, for, for sure. me, Toby, for my negative two. <laughs> and I'm going to start to get some stick for this soon. But I had Kalasanak for negative two. I'm pretty sure in something like the last five games, I've ranked up somewhere in the vicinity of 11 points for Kalasanak, something like that, 10 or 11 mm. points for Kalasanak. He continues to piss me off. I am not going to sit here and, and, and not admit that in some ways what he does, in, in going forward, what he does is good. Mm. His complete fucking lack of defensive awareness... Monreal's minus one point probably comes down to the lack of cover that Kalasnak gave him. Anyway, I listened to the game on Arsenal Player and the guys who were commentating there were like, he's really got to get back and help. And I, I and it was after I'd already written things like, fuck, you know. And, you know, my issue with Kalasnak is that everything Kalasnak seems to do at the moment is a bit for Kalasnak. It's a bit for the things that he wants to do. And, you know, we're talking about players who want to kill themselves for the team and do the right thing for the team. Well, we were getting ass fucked down Monreal's channel tonight. Kalasnak probably only had maybe two 10-minute periods where he came into the game. And he's so far up at that point that it, it it's just wild for me what position he's actually meant to be playing, what he's actually meant to be doing, what his directives are, uh, without sounding like a parrot, what's his primary, secondary, and tertiary roles. Because for me right now, I, I kind of feel like his primary role is to do what he's doing and provide width and go beyond. But surely his secondary role has to be to get back and cover an aging Monreal who's getting fucking raped by a 19-year-old nobody from Monaco who's just got a bit of pace in his legs. You sure he's from Monaco? He's from Monaco, Toby. Many, many times. He's from Monaco. I wrote it down several times, right? Um, yeah. If I'm wrong, fucking, I'm sure Fergus from Guns and Yellow Ribbons will out me on his podcast. That's what he, he will. does. He'll he out will. me. He'll out me. That's how I felt about Kalasanek, Toby. Yeah. Look, agreed. My. And and I completely validate your your perspective. I I think that's um that's absolutely uh absolutely fine. I I just thought that you know he contributed to the game with the with the assist, um and that overall with the extra protection of the back three, you know his his remit was more going forward. But he he had a terrible pass completion rate. In reality, he's playing as one of a midfield four rather than at the back. Um, and Something as like much good as he does... As, less than 60% yeah, pass it was like 50 today. or 55. As much as he does good going forward, when it doesn't come off, you definitely start to, to question things. So my, my only caveat, you know, which, which is a, you know, a, a often used term, these days um, is that he's so important to our overlap going forward, um, particularly with his partnership with Iwobi. I just feel that in the we, modern game, we need to find someone who does a little bit of both. Not I know. Just I, I've just, let, let me finish. Let me finish. 
with with the way we overload on that particular side and that combination really we don't have a lot else so if we if we if we don't have a player with that attacking prowess um and that overlap that that, that we focus on um yeah we really don't have anything going through the middle so i whilst i understand completely your negatives i i also understand how important he is to our to our play going forward so negative three, Toby, who did you have and why? Look, I, I really don't want to play into a narrative too much, but I saw Mustafi as a broken man. Not so much in his defense, but I really saw a guy that, like, I don't think you can bury your head in the sand that much. I think he's been influenced by social media and Arsenal fan perception. And I also feel like he's been influenced by the media. Did you have so, notes down for Mist- him for, for fuck-ups? Absolutely. Because, because Absolutely. I, and, had Mr. And, I have and, here, Mustafi seemed to do quite well for me. None of them defensively. All of my notes were any time where he had time to think. So all of his forward play, all of his passing, which is usually the positive side of his game, he absolutely fucked up. I saw a broken man. I think us as a fan base and also contributing to that to the media has broken this guy's confidence. I think he's done. You know, his his front foot defending has never been the problem. His decision making has been the problem. I reckon we've I reckon we've killed this guy. I reckon he's done. Toby negative 3 for me as as much as it pains me. I gave it to Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Eight, Ooh. eight unforced Ooh, errors for me. Yeah, well, do yeah. you know what? You cannot forgive someone for me who's making that many errors, not under pressure, but under poor decision-making. That's why I call them unforced. I don't mean they're unforced as in like the ball bounced off him and he kicked it out under no pressure. I mean, unforced errors as in the amount of times that the reason why the ball got taken off him was directly down to his poor decision-making, his slow thought, or his decision to just try and go past someone without any real energy or any real direction. Um, do I think that he provided things in the game that were excellent? Absolutely. Am I sitting here shitting on him saying he's no good? Not at all. But I just think in the scheme of things, when I was looking at my negative points... I couldn't go past the fact that he has four dispossessions in the first half and four dispossessions in the second half. That's a huge amount of fucking dispossessions, regardless of what you do going forward. And for me, it comes back again to primary roles, secondary roles, things like that. AMN, I love you. I think you're an excellent player. I think you're going to be something special. I think I could probably write a book on the amount of excuses I can make for you. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm. No, I genuinely believe it. You know, has he been bedded into the team in a position that he's been allowed to feel is his own, like someone like Genduzi? No. Has he been moved around and chopped and changed? Absolutely. Is that good for someone's development? Fucking no. No. But in has, this game... Has he been injured every time, every time he's yep. got an opportunity? Yes. You know, so I, I can make all of these excuses of for course, you. Of but course. But the, the thing is today, it wasn't from being overdone that these mistakes were made it was for me the being 
not switched on, not awake to the game, maybe in some ways trying a little bit too hard, maybe in some ways underestimating the opposition. And what I hope is that this game is a real a real mm. marker no, for Ainsley Maitland-Niles to be able to go back and have a look at and say, I was athletic, I had lovely touches, I looked like one of the most technical guys on the pitch, couple of back heels, ball takedown with the outside of his foot, an assist for a goal, ran his legs out, looked way more athletic than majority of the people on the pitch. Probably him and, him and Awobi looked to be the two most athletic people. Mm. But that quantity of dispossessions is just far too many for someone trying to break into the Arsenal team and trying to show himself as someone for the future. So mm. for me, no, 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 Ainsley Maitland-Niles, negative play. three. That's fair play. And I say it from a place of love. Mm. But sometimes the ones you love, you have to be the harshest with. So this is fair enough. That's true. Guys, thank you so much for uh, joining Toby and I this week. It's been a bit of a ramble, a bit of a, a roundabout conversation, but it was actually quite difficult to write an itinerary for this podcast because the, the game was such a, well, you watched it. Well, some of you did. Some of you fell asleep during it. And <laughs> some of you went to fucking Tesco and bought a pie. But <laughs> for, for all the rest of you, um, I hope that there's a little bit of little bit of insight or a little bit of thought process that you can take out of some of the conversation that we've had tonight um toby as always thank you so much i'm sure that we will we'll talk next week after the batty barislov game and after the what's the next premier league game probably should research this is it like southampton it's one of those hold on so we won't catch up after the Bate Barislov game, but Batty we will Bully. catch up after the Southampton game. So we'll, we'll cover both of those. Cheers, guys. Mm. Have a great night. Good night.